0: everyone, welcome to Brainsplain. I'm your host, Caitlin Rarick, and joining me today is Dan Hill, an emotions expert, a facial coder, a global speaker, and an author of eight books. Dan has pioneered the use of facial coding in business and has done research for over 50% of the world's top 100 B2C companies. He's made appearances on ABC's Good Morning America, NBC's The Today Show, and has been featured on the front page of The New York Times. I am honored to have you here today, Dan, so welcome.
1: Well, thank you so much, Caitlin.
0: All right, so let's jump right into it. First, I would love to hear just a little bit about yourself, um, you know, how you got into the work that you do today and why.
1: Well, I think for anyone who's a college student wondering what their career is going to be, I am proof positive that you shouldn't worry about having a fixed position. Uh, I actually have a PhD in English. I thought I was going to be a professor, decided I didn't really want to go that route. Uh, So after doing sundry other things like uh, being a lawyer for the the, uh, state of New Jersey, uh, working in the corporate sector. Uh, I was working for a a private consulting company and in 1998, someone I knew at IBM sent over an article about the breakthroughs in brain science. It was a Cornell University publication. uh, And in a matter of less than five minutes, it changed my life. Uh, My hands were literally trembling when I finished reading the article. It said, we've learned more about the human psyche, more about how people make decisions in the last 10, 15 years than we have in the entire history of humanity. Now, if that kind of statement doesn't excite you as as a reader, then I don't think a whole lot will. Uh, It definitely excited me. And I said, I just can't resist. I have no idea if I can make a living at this, but I got to go there out of pure intellectual curiosity, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, that's definitely really interesting. I can totally relate to that. I uh, went into school as a psych major and I just got introduced to neuro, basically like a little intro section was about neuro and the brain. And I was definitely hooked the same way. So I can definitely relate.
1: The, the human brain is the last frontier. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're still exploring it, still learning it. It's endlessly fascinating and complicated, but uh, I, I don't know. How can you not go there?
0: Exactly. That's how I felt too. There, I've, There's just so much more to learn still, so much to uncover, and it's definitely exciting.
1: And, and endlessly relevant.
0: Yeah, that was another reason I, I was so into it was just, it's all so relatable. Like everything that you learn makes you think, hmm, maybe that's why I acted that way or did that. And you just relate everything back to, you know, your, your personal life, which is really cool for me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've been doing this for 20 plus years, and I, I'm not bored yet. I can't say I'm not bored every now and then if I come across a, a dull article, but by and large, I'm I remain very excited about the field.
0: Definitely. So, could you talk a little bit more about facial coding? You know, if like if you had to break that down to somebody who isn't familiar with the topic or you know doesn't really understand it, how would you define that for somebody? And you know, how how do you use it in what you do? Sure,
1: well, I, um, even though Leonardo da Vinci was probably arguably the first great facial coder, it's why the Mona Lisa painting is so good. He was fascinated with uh, you know dissection and trying to understand how the muscles move and what they reflect. Uh, if you move past da Vinci, then you'd really get to Darwin, Charles Darwin, uh, first scientist to take emotions seriously figured they didn't matter to us, they would have been weaned out of us over the course of evolution. Darwin then says, as a practical scientist, okay, so how do emotions register most readily what's going on here? So the the brain is, you know, fascinating, but it's, you know, not so accessible other than through an fMRI brain scanning machine. Uh, The face is very accessible right there in front of us. Uh, our own and other people's. And so Darwin came to realize that in your face, you best reflect and communicate your emotions. And essentially what facial coding comes down to is that Dr. Paul Ekman, kind of the modern Charles Darwin, went through and systematically figured out which of our muscle activities correspond to which emotions. Um, But that's, you know, could make it seem like it's simplistic. The truth is some of those muscle activities go to a single emotion. Uh, Other cases, they'll go to two or more. Uh, so there's some ambiguity there, some flexibility to the system, uh, but it's pretty robust and yet, you know, compact enough uh, with 23 expressions that it's, it's doable.
0: Definitely. That's really interesting. You know, this kind of makes me think, so I read your uh, New York Times article about the sports and, you know, d- using facial coding in sports basically to understand You know, if somebody has the right emotional attributes to be successful, which is really interesting to me as an athlete myself, I never really thought about that. But could you talk a little bit about that and, you know, what you did with that stuff?
1: Sure. That was work I did for the NFL Combine. I've also done work for the Milwaukee Bucks on their draft pick when they had the number two overall pick some years ago. Uh, I've worked with particularly basketball teams because it's a smaller squad. Uh, you don't have a helmet on. They're not flying fast down the rink in hockey. Um, and I happen to have played a lot of basketball and, and liked the sport a lot. Um, so I, I mostly applied it there. I will say that I've also been on Tennis Channel a couple of times because I am an avid tennis player and fan. And Mary Carillo is a real s- sweetheart and, and a s- smart cookie besides. So it was a lot of fun to be on the show. Um, essentially what I was looking for is, you know, yeah. Who do you want on your team? You know, are they coachable? Uh, do they have a sense of teamwork are they kind of more of a lone wolf, which you can use sometimes, but you have to realize the trade-offs in terms of what that means if you've got a team sport. Uh, also how do they handle stress, uh, end of games, uh, climatic moments, uh, is that someone you want on the field or you don't really want them on the late innings of a softball game, uh, baseball game, you know, the, the, the trailing moments of the fourth quarter, you know, uh, overtime in a football game. So I I think that's another element and certainly can help the coaches figure out how they interact with the players and so forth. Uh, I use it all the time uh, as a tennis player, quite honestly. Uh, I'm looking to see, you know, if they're feeling a bit down, if they're fearful, Uh, even just stepping onto the court. Uh, I play a lot of doubles. And one time I told my team, I said, just watch out for that guy on the left side warming up. I said, he shows a lot of anger. Uh, He's not going to be a finesse player. Uh, If you're at the net, he's going to try to drill you. Uh, He's not going to lob. That's not his style. That's not his MO. So um, it's full of tips.
0: Yeah, that's definitely really interesting because I feel like it's something that we talk about, but we don't really necessarily talk about it to that level. You know, like as catchers, we're taught, read your pitchers, you know, you're supposed to realize when they're starting to get like frustrated or just by their facial expressions, then you have to go out and talk to them. And like, it's interesting to think that like, I, we've applied this, but we also haven't applied it to its fullest potential. So, you know, oh,
1: absolutely not. I, I, at one point went through and just watched uh, pitchers when they got, you know, you know, rattled with a home run or a couple of hits in a row and whether or not in my estimation, and then looking at what happened subsequently, whether they should be pulled. And, you know, I'm, I'm not as smart as, as the great baseball managers, certainly, but I got to tell you in a lot of cases, I could see a lot of, uh, instances where they were rattled and I just thought you should pull them. Uh, the, you know, they're not going to get back to equilibrium. And uh, I was right. Most cases, uh, you know, what was a, a rocky patch got worse and they should have just gone on to the bullpen and, and gone to options, you know, three, four, and five and saying, instead of staying with that person.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's bring that back a little bit to business, you know, on the other side of things how do you use this facial coding within businesses or do you know, what does like a typical study look like for you within a business?
1: Um, yeah, I was working for a consulting firm that nominally was doing market research, but it really wasn't. It was pretty much the opinions of the leader. Um, I was interested in really knowing what was going on for the customers. And so when I got this article through the IBM guy, uh, I said, huh, uh, it just maybe I'm going to go a lot deeper than anyone's bothering right now because focus groups, uh, don't get me wrong, you can learn some things in a focus group, but they're very squishy. They're very subject to group dynamics, uh, to twist and spin afterwards by the observers who want to pick a certain comment and cherry pick. Uh, I want to know how people are feeling and they're not always very articulate or honest about what they're saying. And so to me, it was a great opportunity to really get to the emotional side of the equation. So yeah, focus groups, you can put cameras in the room, not the traditional camera in the back room. It's too high up, too far away. Uh, you're gonna have an oblique angle. If you wanna know if the guys have bold spots, it might help you. Otherwise it's not gonna do a lot in facial coding terms. Uh, if it's an individual interview, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. So the technology has changed big time. Uh, used to be we had a camera and had to mount it and drop in the cassette. Of course, now it's streamed video. Uh, so I can wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm watching one-on-one interviews from China, from India, you know, wherever. Uh, that's entirely possible these days. So it, it really just comes down to either observation or getting access to the video in one manner or another. Um, and then you could take the whole session. You could take something that's experiential. Uh, you could take a couple of key questions or intervals. It's, it's really limited pretty much just by the budget of the client. And unfortunately, I have to say by people's imaginations, which are not always as robust as I wish they were.
0: I'm curious, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about, you know, different movements that you make with your face and stuff. What are some like specific things that you look for and pick out and, you know, say like, well, I can say this about this person because of the way they move their face in this direction? Like just some specific examples.
1: Well, I think the most uh, intriguing one in some ways is, is uh, contempt smirking Uh, so with a smirk the corner of the mouth pulls up and out it almost looks like a smile but it ain't uh, because a smile is going to have is going to be more relaxed contempt is really kind of a mixture of well historically according to psychology textbooks that tell you it's a mixture of disgust and anger Uh, maybe anger because you know someone's lied to you and disgust because yes they did lie to you and you're going to rise above them and you know, bypass them in the future. I think that's true, but I think there's another, and say, for instance, the rock star Prince from my hometown here of Minneapolis, uh, he definitely showed the angry version of contempt, but there's also the Tom Brady version of contempt where it mixes with a smile, where Tom Brady likes to think, yeah, I've won, you know, six or 12 million championships and you haven't. And, you know, I'm frankly just better than you. And he enjoys it. And so there's there's not really uh, a, as much tension there as there is, you know, pleasure. And so that's why it can, it can really nudge up against the smile. But it, yeah, basically, I think of it as almost having like a pocket tornado. The, the, the muscle movement moves out. There's some tension to it to one degree or another. Uh, but it doesn't have the pure rise of a smile. Uh, it's important because, uh, for instance, in, in marriage counseling, John Gottman, at the University of Washington, Seattle, has something called the Love Lab. He, he might have retired by now, but at least once upon a time he was running it. Uh, I'm sure they still use facial coding because it's extremely accurate in knowing whether or not the couple can survive. Uh, because if you don't respect and trust the other party, uh, you know, that's not a marriage that's gonna be in very good stead. Uh, but you can apply that obviously to business partners, to teammates and sports, uh, on and on. So it's, uh, it's a very toxic emotion. Uh, on one side the other side I guess you could say it's really an evidence uh, evidence of uh, confidence so I just find it an endlessly fascinating emotion of all of them that that's probably my favorite
0: yeah as, as really- an analyst
1: not as a human being I'm, I'm not out of my going out of my way to <laughs> sneer at people but, uh, at least, at least yeah. not the modern version of Dan maybe in high school I did that
0: yeah, no that that is that's so interesting. I I'd never thought about that. You know, you can tell a lot about how something is going to work out. Like you said, business partners, you can understand the respect level and everything just by those facial expressions.
1: No, action actions speak louder than words, and the muscle activity in your face is action. It just happens to be a little more microscopic, but it, it's sure there, and it's amazing how people don't leverage it.
0: Yeah, definitely, and also, you know, I've heard some stuff. I don't know how true it is, but I've heard a lot of things that say, you know, like, we're good at controlling certain things that may give away how we're feeling like within our body, but our faces, we're not very good at it. And it's kind of like, it's one of those giveaways, you know, it's more difficult to control your facial expressions. And I'm just curious about your opinion on that. How how accurate do you think that is?
1: Oh, I think it's very accurate because with body language you know you can have the broad gestures you can kind of train for them you can see it all the time in presidential debates where the consultants told them to you know move their hands in this way and make this you know symbol whatever you know don't point the jabbing finger too often because that makes you look threatening all that kind of stuff Uh, body language is also affected by gender and by culture Um, So that's another factor. It's also more limiting analytically. You can basically say, are you open, submissive, assertive? I got three categories. Maybe that comports to happiness and anger and fear. But I got four other emotions I can get to with facial coding, Uh, contempt and disgust and surprise and sadness. And none of those would be categories you're really going to access through body language. So, um you know so I, I think it 's of some use, I think it 's of more limited use, uh, and again, to your point, the face is the only place in the body where the muscles attach right to the skin so it 's quick real time data, and you know, you can try to go the poker face route. Uh, you can be a, a poker player in fact, and put on the sunglasses and the baseball cap and the hoodie, and God knows what else the ski masks these days they look like bank robbers, quite honestly. Um, so you can do all those things, but uh, the face is a, is a wonderful instrument.
0: So to kind of, again, bring it back to business, what do you think are some of the like, specific advantages of understanding facial coding by using this within the workplace?
1: Well, they, you know, they are using it, but to use it ever more broadly is the way I'll, I'll take your question. Uh, well, let's just start with the basics. You're, you're selling stuff and you're spending time and energy and resources of the company to develop new offers. We were doing some work for a West Coast, Silicon Valley company. They had 10 new offers. Uh, According to people raising their hand and saying yes and giving the lip service, the company probably would have chased down at least four to five blind alleys. Our facial coding told them, no, actually only one of these 10 is worth pursuing. Go look at the statistics. About one out of 10 new offers from a company is actually viable for at least for a while, if not long-term. So I, I just think it cuts out a lot of waste. Uh, there's a lot of lip service as a participant, you're getting paid to participate. Uh, it might be you know, small potatoes, but you're getting something. And it's just easier to go along. I mean, think about it as a student, you know, the teacher assigned the course materials. It's a lot easier path to get your A by saying, oh, I love these books. These are wonderful, illuminating books. Uh, if you found one of them terribly boring, are you gonna dare to say that in class? Probably not, unless you got a really good argument. And all your classmates are going to join in and say, yuck, don't ever assign this again. Um, So it's just the easiest path. You you go along to get along. And uh, I think market research through facial coding, or at least supplemented by facial coding, uh, gets you a more accurate picture, because emotion and motivation have the same root word in Latin, to move, to make something happen. Uh, Your first task is just to overcome lethargy and boredom. Uh, Do you get them interested? You know whether it 's the product, the advertising uh, you know the store environment, you know uh who you 're hiring uh, you know who who needs to hire someone who's going to be you know dead in the water from the get go uh, you know you play softball i mean you you probably size up pretty quickly who's going to help you on the team win win the game and uh yeah, who you might let be in the eighth batting slot. But, uh, you know, if they get changed out halfway through the game for another right fielder, you're okay with it?
0: Yeah, you're you're definitely right there. One thing that I'm curious about, too, is where do you think that people typically, on the flip side of that, where do you think people typically go wrong when trying to, like, analyze emotions or use this facial coding?
1: Um. Well, I mean, yeah, I I vetted a lot of, because automation of facial coding is coming on. Uh, A a manual coder such as myself, certified, lots of experience, will be able to crest above 90% accuracy, uh, more likely than not. Uh, Even from some real recent data I've been seeing where they honestly leave out a few of the emotions, which make you wonder what they're hiding, uh, you're seeing accuracy levels, even self-confessed accuracy levels of no better than below 70%. So that's a big gap. And uh, yeah, I guess a couple of rules of thumb. One is anger is real complicated. There's nine different ways anger shows in the face. So you got to take into account those nuances all the way from confusion to outrage. Uh, fear and surprise really overlap. Most human beings do not like surprises. So their natural response is fear. Uh, in my case, my father worked for the 3M company and when I was six, literally on my birthday, we flew to New York, then took a boat to Italy, and so it was kind of like a reverse migration. Suddenly, I found myself in a foreign country, didn't know the language, had to read nonverbals, of which Italians have a lot. Uh, you know, long and short of it, besides becoming a facial coder, is I'm a curious guy. Um, you know, that was the best choice, other than hiding in the broom closet in our new place in Italy. So uh, I chose the you know more. Uh, progressive uh, interested positive route um, but a lot of people don't
0: that's really funny yeah I, I'm actually I come from a very Italian family so that makes me laugh that we are very expressive talk with our hands I'm sure you see me do that like a million times oh yeah, yeah no,
1: that's, it's a lot of fun yeah I, I'm actually half Norwegian which makes it a cosmic joke that I would be a facial coder because <laughs> uh, we're, we're not so famous for uh, being expressive <laughs> And uh, Garrison Keillor from the old Prairie Home Companion show has the joke about the Norwegian American man who loved his wife so much he nearly told her so. Italians do not have that problem.
0: <laughs> That's funny. At least
1: not in my experience. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, mine neither. That's funny. Um, something I, this kind of just crossed my mind. Um, I was thinking about this whole COVID situation, how everybody's wearing face masks right now, and it made me think about you know, when facial coding. Do you? think that you look more at somebody's eyes, more at their mouth, or kind of everything all together?
1: Well, two-thirds of the activities around the mouth. Um, the the uh, caveat to that is, you know, the mouth, because we like to eat, uh, is something we're a little more used to manipulating. The eyes really, you know, it's pretty straight shot when they say, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul. That's true. But on the other hand, uh, you know, the eye region not only has fewer – Action units or muscle activities, it also has a uh, more limited range of emotions that can be picked up there. So you're really accessing about 25% of what's going on. So a mask is a real detriment in that sense. Now, from a physical health point of view, do I think everyone should be wearing a mask or at least have one in certain situations? Absolutely. (laughs) But as a facial coder, am I in favor of masks? No, I guess I'd have to say no.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I was just thinking about that because I do feel like. We always talk about like, oh, people show so much emotion in their eyes. And we always talk about that. But it makes sense to me. Like you said, we manipulate the mouth. We're used to that. And that's what would move the most.
1: You well, know, and around around the eyes, you're really getting um, a lot of attention because your eyes go wide because you're paying attention. Something new has happened. That, that's why it's really the preeminent region of the face for fear and surprise. You're, you're taking notice. You're being a detective. Uh, Around the mouth, because we eat, uh, is the premier place for effective responses, positive, negative. And uh, it's got a lot of subtlety to it, just as we have different flavors to our food. We have different flavors to the emotions that show there. So you really want and need all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, as in life in general, you don't always get what you want.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. So I'm curious, what have you been working on? What have you been doing during COVID? Um, any new exciting projects? Uh,
1: yeah, I made a lot of switches. I'm not someone who likes to sit on my hands. The, you know, I didn't really like baseball nearly as much because since I wasn't the catcher or pitcher, you had to stand around a lot. And although I played center field and loved to steal bases, it was a little boring to me. So I, I really liked soccer and basketball and tennis. I like to move. So uh, I, I moved during COVID-19 as well, just more within my house and my, within my brain cells than uh, out to go to the Mall of America or something. Uh, so one thing is, you know, in the last couple of years, I published three books. One uh, was called Famous Faces Decoded, where I went through and looked at celebrities. It's kind of an EQ primer. Then I did a book on all the presidents and numerous foreign leaders, because I was interested in democracy and what makes a good leader. And I did a book on art since I was an art history minor and uh, really interested in visuals, which makes sense when you're a facial coder. So I decided to take this time to, one is I, I had a bunch of art lectures scheduled, which all got postponed, drag. Uh, so instead I switched first to podcast, uh, initially as a guest on podcasts like this one. And then just by chance, I came across this wonderful former Harvard professor who launched way back when there was only 10,000 podcasts in the, in the land. Uh, not the million that we have now uh, has a series on the new books network. And so I have a podcast called Dan Hill's EQ spotlight that I just started up less than two months ago. And then I had a guy who um, I know because his wife and I went to school in Italy together and he got bought out. Good luck for him. He got bought out by the British travel company that he was running the North American operations for just before COVID-19 hit. I mean, talk about good luck and timing for his sake, not for theirs. So he was available, and uh, eventually we're going to probably launch some kind of Americana tours that will be really psychology, biography-driven. But for now, uh, we're taking all of my 20 years of insights and creating online courses. So very soon, probably by September, on uh, you know the obligatory three Ws and then sensorylogic.com, uh, these courses will start to populate. Um, You know, there'll be advertising, customer experience, uh, leadership, being a manager, uh, personal development, Uh, there'll be one for sports. Um, So, you know, there'll be at different price points. We haven't figured all that out yet. But uh, yeah, I'm busy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely sounds like it. I think all of this is so interesting just because it's so applicable to in, in so many different directions that I don't know. That's what, you know, this whole conversation made me realize that like, obviously, you know, I first jumped in, jumped into this and I was like, oh, like, we're going to talk about how it's applied in business. But then, you know, I do a little more research. I find out it's totally applied in sports and personal life and everything. And it's just, it's really cool to me.
1: You know, emotions go everywhere. I mean, they just do. And uh, you're blind to them at your own peril, um, frankly, because there's a lot of good information you can pick up from a face. Someone smarter than me said that the 25 most valuable square inches in the world is from your eyebrows to your mouth. Uh, and I think that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Um, so, all right, my final question. If you had to leave listeners with one piece of advice about understanding emotions or facial coding or anything like that, what would it be? Whoa,
1: that's a big question, <laughs> one piece of advice. Um, hmm. Well, if I leave my, my good friend contempt aside, then I would say look for the rhythm of the smile because human beings tend to camouflage. And when they camouflage, they'll go the poker face route. And if they don't go that, they're going to try to throw on the fake smile. So look for the rhythm of a smile. It's like a wave breaking on a shore. It should gather, have a peek, and let go. The smile that's too quick uh, is a tsunami, not a real smile. Uh, the, the smile that drops off the two, face too quickly at the end is what I call a guillotine smile. And uh, if it just keeps going and going, it's the Energizer bunny smile. And that's not true either. Now, the politicians will do that. Uh, you may want to do that during your, your job interview when you get out of college. But uh, you know, day in, day out, nah, it's not a good sign of authenticity. And uh, we like authenticity because we want to trust the people we're with. Uh, It makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I like that a lot. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today. And for everybody listening who wants to, you know, look deeper into your work or just maybe learn more about you, uh, where can they find you?
1: Probably the easiest thing is to go to my website, again, the three W's, sensorylogic.com. You can order my books there. But I do also have a blog called faces of the week i publish it every thursday and that can be found through itunes or just frankly typing in faces of the week uh the podcast is is indicated in those weekly blog postings uh, but that's again called dan hill's eq spotlight on the new books network so i'd say between the books the blog and the podcast you're going to have some sense of what i'm about
0: awesome well thank you so much again Sure.
1: Have a good rest of your day.